Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to Trailer Rewind, a 
monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that was one of the trailer picks on a Saturday matinee episode. You can get access to the Sat Matt shows over at patreon.com, The Next Reel. It's a great way to get an overview of everything we do here at The Next Reel. Today, we're going to be talking about Woman Walks Ahead. This was Andy's pick from April 28th, 2018, and today is October 8th, 2019, and Woman Walks Ahead is available on Amazon Prime, Canopy, and Hoopla, so no reason why you can't get out there and find a way to watch it. Which one did you watch on? I think I did Hoopla. Oh, I haven't even tried one. Hoopla yet. I did Amazon Prime, so I got lucky. Okay. It said that it said that it was going to charge like ninety nine cents. So I think that even if you don't have a Prime membership, it's relatively inexpensive to watch this movie. So there, so Amazon might be uh, okay. a good option for people if they don't have any of the other options. Yeah, Canopy and Hoopla are going to both depend on your public library cool. system that you have access to. So depending on if they are a partner or they have subscribed to or Canopy, uh, but it's free. They do both have a certain number of credits, so you can only watch a certain number of movies. I think it's like 15, but between the two of them, it's like 30 movies. It's, you know, one a day. I'm not going to get through all of those, but a lot of great uh, content available on those services. Free. You don't even have to pay for like Netflix or Hulu. It's free. Just go get your library card and you've got free movies. A whole month of movies free. Love it. Every month. Go get your library card. It's our public service announcement <laughs> for literacy. Yes, very good. In the digital age. Forgive me, ma'am, but uh, very few unaccompanied ladies travel beyond no more. Then they are missing some rare beauty. You're not a soldier's wife. No, I'm a painter. A painter? Yes. And darling, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but you do have that certain look. What look is that? Look at someone filled with good intentions. Western Missouri can be lethal. She came all the way from New York to paint Indians. I'm going to paint the great Sioux Chief Sitting Bull. Is that a fact? Oh, I have traveled many miles from the east, across many rivers and hills, for the honor of speaking with you. You got a train from New York, right? Yes. Nice. This has a very interesting sort of release situation. So Woman Walks Ahead was released into theaters on June 29th, 2018 in two theaters. Two. Two. Okay. By the time it closed, it, it was in theaters for six weeks. Okay. And it moved from two theaters to six theaters with a total domestic gross of $57,528. Whoa. Okay. Pulled another 20000 internationally. Okay. So... In theaters for a total of six weeks. Super small. It left theaters on August 9th, but it was available digitally streaming on June 26th. So it was sort of one of those day and date release things. Uh, and Blu-rays hit shelves on August 28th. So oh. it was basically out there in the summer of 2018 if you were looking for it. So wait, so it was streaming on June 26th of that same year? Yes. Weird. This, the, yeah, that, so, this is kind of the first one that we've done this way, right? Where it's all at the same time? Yeah, typically we've had some where it's like a quick turnaround, but yeah. this is, I think, the first one where it's like simultaneous in theaters and digitally at the same time. Sure. And, and I'm assuming the two to six theater release was the minimum, maybe to qualify for awards consideration if they were 
considering that, I mean, with the cast that you have, uh, you know, recognizable faces, you know, Jessica Chastain, Sam Rockwell, uh, recognizable faces, possibly, you know, there's, you know, an opportunity for an award out there, maybe who knows. Uh, but I know that's the, the tricky balance that's happening now with these, uh, hitting things theatrically uh you know netflix is pushing into that there's been lots of discussion about uh their latest you know scorsese you know production there the irishman which is a netflix film and it's going to be in theaters for a very brief time and then it's going to be on netflix got it and now there's a lot much more than they used to have with all these different uh, channels well and it, it creates this sort of sense of urgency to get out in theaters to see it because if you want to see the latest Scorsese film on the big screen you've got to get out and see it right away you can't be waiting around like oh it'll come out if it gets nominated it's going to be in theaters again or they'll bring it back no it's you've got that one opportunity which creates some high demand uh and depending on how many theaters they actually put it in it's an opportunity you may miss this in the theaters or you may not be able to get a ticket if it sells out in showing after showing, particularly in some of the bigger cities like LA and New York, right. tight window. So very interesting model. Yeah. Makes sense. Kind of difficult. If you recall from last month, when we talked about leave no trace, which was also the trailer pick from April 28th, 2018, that was uh, Pete's pick. This is, this is Andy's pick. So we, you know, we hit some gold there. They both had some, some films that they picked as trailers that were intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, why Andy picked this trailer was that he heard about this from a friend that worked on it. Now, he didn't oh. say who that was, okay. but he also said that he loves these old West stories, stories about the plight of Native Americans, and that he just thinks there's a lot of meat in those stories. Pete agreed, but said he was he was pretty much just charmed by this trailer and mentioned the scene in the trailer where Catherine is trying to explain to Sitting Bull how she traveled from far away to see him using lots of nature imagery. Like, I came over many hills and crossed many <laughs> rivers. And he responds, you got a train from New York, right? And like perfect, you know, casual conversational English. And right. it's, it's that moment uh, that just, you know, warmed Pete's heart. He was charmed by that moment Love it. Uh, in the trailer. So that's why we're going to be talking about Woman Walks Ahead today. Got it. But my first my first question to you, JJ, is do you consider this film a Western? Not at all. Not even it's, close. It's it's in the it's in the Dakotas. You've got Sitting Bull. You've got the, you know, the American army out there. You're in the 1890s. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I it's feel right like for Western, being a Western, right? Yeah, but just the setting doesn't make it that. I feel like the Western has the Western genre in and of itself is something about a certain film. You know, I don't. Okay. I, this is based enough on history that it's doesn't feel like the Western genre to me because I really think of Western as a story um, that's put out. I'm trying to think of another true or true to life sort of thing or based on true uh, movie that I would consider a Western. I don't know that I would. Um, so like Tombstone, something like that, well, Wyatt Earp, a, those, that, are, there there, are those Westerns? That's good things to suggest because like okay. I've, I've been, now you being in Arizona, I assume you've been to the OK Corral. 
Yes. So I have many times too. I had a, a small time in my life when I was a youth living in Tucson. So have spelled, spent some time at the OK Corral. And I feel like that story is uh, sensationalized a little bit, right? And in both mm-hmm. cases, you know, those movies oh, came yeah. out in the same year. Um, clearly, it was, you know, something about Western lore that put that story out there. I feel like this was the purpose behind making this story was something that was more about uh, history and setting something straight rather than the sort of sensationalized or the romanticized idea of what Western was. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you bring up, we did hostiles on this show and, um, right, you yes. know, I don't even know that I would consider, yeah, you got hostiles a Western because again, it's, it's meant to be a certain point about the end of the West. Right. And I think that's what this movie is too. Um, so I think, you know, and this is, is very different than Hostiles, for sure. But they're <laughs> making similar points in the way that uh, integration happened towards the end of really, uh, you know, the the white man coming across the land and, and taking it all from uh, from Native peoples. Um, so I think I think it's interesting like that. But I wouldn't call it a Western. And actually looking at Hostiles, they don't call Hostiles Western either. They call it a period film. So maybe that's what I would call this is it's a period film. It's a period film. Okay, well, that for for people that that have uh, a high interest in Western and I want them to think that this is Western, or people that do not enjoy Westerns, to let them know that this is not a Western. So, a little bit, uh, you know, something to not be a barrier to embracing this film just because of its setting. It's not a Western. Right. So that gets to the point of as you you talked about the what this story is trying to do, and what's very interesting is that Standing Rock Reservation, where Catherine visits, this is the same reservation that people may recall from the news during the whole pipeline standoff. So given the timing of production and release of this film, which was, you know, 2018, we had the the protest was, you know, like 2016, 2017. So is this film, do you feel that it was commenting on that issue Or do you think that this is a story that stands apart and alone on itself? Hmm. Well, I didn't know that leading up to this. So you're you're giving me new information there with that little bit. But I think that it could be. Um, uh, But I have two points to maybe make about that. And I think that this this portrait that really is the central sort of purpose to Catherine's journey to the West um, to paint Sitting Bull, um, I think it's a relatively famous portrait. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it yes. hangs in a, in a museum. I think that I would say initially my approach to this story was it was meant to tell the story of how this came about because it is uh, an interesting story. The other piece is that, uh, and you may know more about this than I do, in, in terms of the production company, in terms of A24, um, you know, thinking about what A24 does and the way that they make movies and the way that they sort of home grow things, I think it, that it is possible that it was made with a statement in mind. Um, do you know more about A24 and the reason why uh, those movies get made and how they get made? Because that would maybe lend itself to saying there is a time for us to tell this story and Standing Rock might be that time. I do I do not have any insight into the production selection process if, the, if it is uh, selecting a film based on that there's a larger message or something behind it. I, I think that they do uh, select certain stories, uh, but I think for me, it, it's more of an A24 film because it focuses on the relationship between Catherine and Sitting Bull. And for me, that's, I think, the story that's there of of two people that are really sort of on the fringe 
of of society because Catherine is uh, a widow. She says she's of a certain age. Uh, I think in uh, real life, I think she was in her late forties, early fifties. I think okay. uh, when she she made this uh, journey out to paint Sitting Bull, but uh, you know she was she tells a story. Uh, about, you know, that she was basically passed from her father to her husband. You know, this is, she did not have a life of her own. This is her chance to be free uh, now that she's a widow and do something that she is interested in. And she starts, the the film starts off with her on her journey out west to the Dakotas, uh, determined to paint City Bull. We get some voiceover narration of a letter that she is writing uh, to Sitting Bull, explaining that she was inspired after seeing the paintings of George Catlin, who was one of the first painters to portray the Plains Indians in their native territory. But she saw that there was there was no portrait of Sitting Bull, and so she is decided that that needs to be remedied, and she is the one that is going to take care of that. So we get a little bit of her mindset going out there. We a little more is revealed in her conversations with Sidney Bull. We learn a little bit about her past, the type of woman, the type of child she was, um, and her story about why she does not like being around horses, an incident with her father and punishment for basically being a, a, a defiant child. Uh, so we get that sense of her personality, which I think is important to the story as we get to the the critical point in our story which has to do with this whole rationing and this this vote that's going on yeah but we've got we've got her as the as allocation a woman treaty who, i think that's the, the historical piece. right yeah. yes so we've got Catherine, who's pretty much an outsider she you know comes out there people when people hear there's a painter they assume it's a man to find out it's this woman you know, she's also a widow she is is not someone that people expect to be out there uh women do not travel out past you know omaha uh we hear early on right but then we also have sitting bull who is in an interesting point in his life because his authority and leadership is being questioned because rather than fighting he's farming now he's it's after you know the whole custer issue right there uh, is a reservation there, I mean, there is a reservation, yep. and so there's there's the whole ghost dance movement that's going on at this point, where there's this sort of insurgency coming about of trying to bring about some change, and he does not embrace that, and there's you know a lot of people leave when he's off with Catherine, uh, they're you know setting up that first time where she's going to paint him and. As they're gone for that day, some, you know, information about the allocation treaty comes in. Everybody's wondering where he, Sitting Bull is. He's off with the white woman that many people suspect is a spy for the military. So right. his power is questioned. So both of them are sort of on the outside of their culture and society. And to me, that's the interesting aspect of this film. That's the story that I think is trying to be told of how these two bonded, why they connected. and sort of how they collaborated collaborated in this whole you know sort of vote so with the allocation treaty did you buy their bonding this is one of the struggles with this movie um i i was entertained by it sure uh director susanna white has done a lot of tv okay and i don't i don't know if it's that aspect of it that it felt it it hit 
all the points. It, it moved along the story. The performance, I, I think, Jessica, you know, Jessica Chastain's doing a little bit of a like a, a New York accent. Is it New York? Uh, that accent, or, okay. Or, and or, I'm a or, or is huge it, or, Jessica or, Chastain fan? Oh, but that accent yeah, was it, ridiculous. It was <laughs> half New York, right? Half it, something Mid Atlantic, well, something New Englander yeah. mixed with something, you know, some sort of Southie mixed with something out of, you know. <laughs> The south of Ireland, too? I don't know. It was yeah. very confusing and, and distracting, which is really unfortunate. I, I almost wish she just wouldn't have tried any of them and just let yeah. it go because it, it was I couldn't place her. I couldn't figure out where she was. Well, and then Catherine Weldon was, I think, Swedish. So I, I don't oh, know Swedish, what, really? wow. what point um, she, her family came to the States. I, I'm not an expert on her biography. She's a, let's see. Uh, so she was born in Switzerland, uh, 1844. Swiss. So Swiss, New York, and we get this sort of hybrid accent. Maybe she did that on purpose yes. then. But it, it, for, it, it just, for a yeah. viewer where you're not going to know that stuff. It just feels, right. it, and it almost, you know, and of course I'm reading too much into it, but I'm watching her perform and now I've become this hyper Jessica Chastain fan. So I'm like totally just in, in wrapped, just watching her the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like she's uncomfortable with it too. And, you know, in her scenes with Sam Rockwell, who we get introduced to later as this kind of like, as an interesting, you know, uh, anti-hero kind of weird support, but anti-support thing. He is, of course, just playing a, a, a very comfortable Sam Rockwell role. And for her to play yes. this thing that feels really stilted and uncomfortable next to him, it just really, uh, it was difficult to watch. And that's why maybe, you know, my initial question was, did you buy that Sitting Bull and Catherine Walden were, were bonded? And I just never caught the moment where they got that other than time. And, and time might be enough, you know, or, you know, maybe empathy because there was enough empathy shown, but there wasn't enough of a turn at any point for me to believe that they became close. And that's hard with this story. I think that was necessary. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of pieces where I, I see everything and it just isn't clicking together the way I want it to. Sure. I, I didn't get as, um, I didn't get emotionally invested in the the relationship between them, you know, at one point, you know, she goes into town uh, because the, the ration has hit and she's got her. So I guess we got to back up a little bit. When she approaches Sitting Bull about painting his portrait, he asks how much. And she says, oh, well, I typically charge people $40. But, you know, he says, no, no. How much are you going to pay me? And he negotiates the deal where she's going to pay him $1,000 for the opportunity to paint him. Yep. She she gets the money. What ends ends up happening with that money is once the rations hit, he gives her that money to go into town to buy supplies for the tribe. Right. Uh, when she's in town, she it, it's a brutal brutal scene where she just gets beat beat, beat badly yeah. and is even warned by one of the the, the women in town. Uh, you, you need to get out of here. They're they're looking for a rope. Yeah. Uh, so there's but. As we learn later on there in the paper, there's an article suggesting there's some type of romantic, you know, relationship between Catherine and Sitting Bull. And we don't get that. We we get some attempts at some sort of uncomfortableness of, you know, him changing. It's just uh, it's just her and him. Is, is there some sexual tension there? I I don't buy that. Hollywood me, sure wants think, us to think there is. Right. But for me, I think the relationship that I 
was looking for was, again, these two outsiders bonding to fight back against the white men that are pushing them and, and basically disenfranchising them, disempowering them. Yes. Um, and we get a little bit of that, but not not enough. And I, it's, it's not like we need the, the meet cute from a romantic comedy, uh, for this relationship, but we need something more yeah. than that. And so I, I, yeah, I agree. It's not quite there. There's a lot of pieces in this, you know, you mentioned Sam, Sam Rockwell sort of doing the Sam Rockwell thing, yep. um, as well. And he's playing a role where you think, oh, it's Sam Rockwell. He's not being nice. Okay, it's the mean Sam Rockwell character where he's a despicable person. But we have a, you know, near the end, there's an attempt to sort of redeem his character because he finds that, you know, after the whole vote, you know, sort of blows up and goes, you know, the wrong way due to Sitting Bull giving this great speech, you know, Graves, Sam Rockwell's character comes in to say, hey, look, they're coming to arrest you in the morning. Right. and Sitting Bull's like, look, I remember your face. It was up in these mountains and half the you know women and children surrendered and you guys just slaughtered them. And he basically says, well, he's trying to make amends for that. Yeah. And I, I really struggled with that because I was trying to figure out what's his motivation for that? Why, what is, is there enough guilt? Because from the onset, he's played as Try. He's all about the military, trying to get this thing in. We're going to starve them out so that they vote for this. His whole goal is to get this allocation treaty signed. But when the general shows up and things go wrong, he seems to switch sides and say, well, look, no, it's in their best interest to sign this allocation treaty because if they don't, the army's going to show up and it's going to be a slaughter. And that's what they want. That's what the army wants. They want to come out here and they want to just wipe them out. Well, and, what I, and, you know, and that piece of political intrigue was... yeah. You know, with each of them switching roles, right? We get Sam Rockwell, who's right. through the, most of the beginning of the movie we think is a bad guy towards the cause. Yeah. And then we get the general who portrays himself as positive to their cause. But then when we finally get the turn and we notice that, um, you know, Sam Rockwell was trying to do some tough love through politics, whereas the general is really uh, is really just hoping that they fight back so that he can kill them all. That's a really interesting sort of political statement to the story, but it's somewhat buried because it 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 just happens towards the end. I think that was one of the most positive things about the story in this movie was how they portrayed each of these characters. But again, I didn't necessarily buy their turn. The, the moment you're talking about when Sam Rockwell says mm -hmm. he's trying to sleep, I haven't slept well since I did that. I didn't buy it. Right. I didn't I didn't I didn't believe him. But the I mean, the story was great. If, if Now knowing that that is true, I love that aspect of the story. I just didn't buy it because I was so sold on the red herrings of these characters earlier in the story. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sitting Bull gets shot and it wasn't really clear to me who it was. Now I, I, I read up on it. It's okay. So it was one of the, the police force that there's a native American police officer or out of the police force and all of that. And I got that, but I, we didn't get, we didn't get that scene of setting that up. I mean, yes, no. historically it happens. And, but what was the motive behind that? They're coming to arrest him, but they're going to use that as the setup to assassinate him. And I, I, at that point I felt like this is the movie that gets made for, 
like high school history classes right. where you've been studying this and it's like now we're going to watch this and this is a fairly accurate portrayal of these things that we've been reading about that's definitely how it felt yeah and because i didn't is not being a, a history buff of this era i just didn't have a lot of the information and given that it's a biopic i'm assuming that a lot of this is based on actual um events uh diaries journals letters all of those things and i know some things have to be dra- dramatized uh and i'm i'm well all, the post log you know, i mean the, the horse yeah. danced and then the post log sh- tells us that the horse did dance which i mean this is the stuff that you would think would be fabricated but i think that's the point <laughs> That I think you're trying to make when you compare this to something you'd see in a high school history class, because that's what we would see. And then we would learn that, that you know, anecdotally, that's what we believed happened and what led to the Sioux fleeing was with when they saw the horse dance after he shot like these kind of pieces. So but in general, yeah. I wanted that to be more dramatic, more emotional, more Hollywooded. And that was really very sterile. It, it was. And I, I love it's like the horse is dancing and it's 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 like an a little bit of slow motion, I think. Is it kinda. slowed down a little yeah. bit? Kind of. Uh, but it, I mean, it's everything's built together to the point where she has, you know, she's there with, I mean, this is the final conversation where, you know, Graves is telling, you know, Sitting Bull, they're coming to get you and all of that. And then he leaves and then Catherine leaves and then is immediately like, abducted and thrown on a horse and it's it's Sam Rockwell's graves and he they ride off until they get off the reservation and he's like look you're off, you're free you're off the reservation you're free to go yep. all that and she you know she runs back and it's you know early hours of the morning so she's still in the woods she hears the gunshot all of that I thought should have been such a powerfully emotional moment and then with the horse because we get the setup early early on of he got this horse from wild bill and the horse is a trick horse when he hears a gunshot he starts dancing and everything came together and i thought am i dead inside i really i <laughs> because really you wanted felt to like, feel it more no i completely yes, agree I, with you yes this this is the the thing i struggle with because with this film is i i wondered if am i just was i just not in the right mood for this film but because it seems like everything's there, but it just is lacking something. And I, I can't, I don't know if it's the performances aren't at, you know, a hundred percent. It's, it's, you know, Michael Gray eyes, I think is a sitting bull. There's, I, I, I enjoyed his performance. It wasn't anything stellar. And maybe that's what it needed was a little bit more something. I, this is where I struggle with. Is it the performances? Is it the editing? Is it how, you know, just well, trimming some th- things here or there, sequence of events where I, I'm just not enough on that post-production side to see how these things get put together to see when it works. So I definitely have doesn't. something to say about the editing because okay. The, okay. The, the camera in this movie was really gorgeous, you know, and we compare yeah. it to what, what we did last month where we did uh, Leave No Trace and the camera yeah. was really gorgeous and Leave No Trace too. But the way that Leave No Trace was edited was done so in a way to sort of give the camera the ability to tell the story. And there were a lot of really creative camera moves in this movie, in A Woman Walks Ahead. Um, I'm reminded especially of when uh, she very early in her arrival to the West uh, uh, comes out and is looking. She's treated poorly everywhere she goes. She's treated poorly yeah. because she is. It's assumed that she doesn't understand, you know, the basically the war that's happened between the natives yes. and, and the white man through here. And um, and it's illustrated by the point when she goes to the cemetery and there's some really beautiful motion control shots that are 
um, looking at Catherine, you know, center framed in and then and then with a pan, but holding her in the center and then moving along and these sort of great things where you have the the blank backs of crosses of the people who have died in these in these battles. And then it's inter spursed with quick cuts or and then even a couple other moving shots of looking uh, cross by cross and reading murdered by the Sioux, murdered by the Sioux, murdered by the Sioux and all this stuff. So these are some really great sequences that are put together. And this is just one example of a number of really beautiful, beautifully conceived shots uh, of the camera in this movie. But the editing did not give any room or any time to really experience those shots. It was cut very tightly in a way that made it feel. And you mentioned that the director had worked on TV before. I did not know that. I don't know if it comes from that, but it really felt like TV in the way that we couldn't linger on some of that real beautiful camera work, um, which it really deserved because it could have had the sort of uh, grandeur of something like a Dances with Wolves, right? And of course, I'm relating it to another Old West story, but everything we see about epics like that are give it the time, give it the sky, give it the sense of place. And there were those shots in this movie, but the editing didn't allow those shots to tell the story. The story was told through the script and the script I didn't find terrible by any means, but the fact that um, the shots were there, the shots were there to tell the story visually and the editing cut it off really bothered me. It bothered me multiple times because there were lots of shots that I wanted to talk about on the show. You know, I'm only referencing the one with the cemetery, but there was lots of great camera work and because of the editing, it cut it off and you bring it up in a point to talk about the emotion um, that yeah. could have been part of it too. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that it's cut so tightly might've sapped us of the emotional bonding that was necessary between these people. It feels like television. Yeah. I couldn't place it because you're outdoors in the Dakotas and you've got these beautiful shots of, I mean, when you're shooting out there, it's, it, I have to say, you have to be something really wrong to not get beautiful footage out there right. with just, you know, so, okay, that's, that's a given. And you, you know where to put your camera. You, you're, you're watching where the sun is. You're, you're getting some great shots. They did it. But they, they were great but shots. It, 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 yeah. But as you said, it's not visually telling the story. It's relying too much on the words. Right. And I think that comes from, and that's where I'll come back to TV because I think a lot of TV is made in a way that if you aren't, if you're not watching, you can get everything through the dialogue. Yeah. And I mean, sure, some innovative shows or some, you know, shows that are pushing the limits of what, you know, television should be um yeah, these days we'll, we'll do some yeah which is a lot more but typically yeah put on anything that's on you know network tv that's a hour-long drama and you could sit there and not actually watch it and get it and know exactly what's going on in the story and i feel like that's what happened here there's actors that can communicate performances visually and they i think maybe that's why i'm not feeling the connection because it just hung on the words yep. so much and there's only so much you can do you know it's again always show don't tell this was more telling than showing unfortunately and i i so desperately wanted to enjoy this movie much more because these are the types of films that i really enjoy things out in the west dealing with a piece of history that i'm not as familiar with but just learning about what was going on in our country right and there's you know but it, again it's i don't want to say it's too wordy but yeah it there's just something that prevented it from going that little bit extra to really make me fall in love with the characters yeah you know empathize with their plight and what's going on and it just it 
it frustrated me that I didn't enjoy it more because I thought, I want to love this movie, but you're not letting me love you. What are you doing? Yeah, I felt the same way. We, we talked about performances a little bit. I do want to highlight one uh, actor, Bill Camp, okay. who is the one that, that actually plays General Crook. He's the one that comes out you know, when they're going to actually do the vote and all that. So we've talked about him on the next reel two other times okay he was he was in hostiles um the character was jeremiah wilkes i don't know who that was Mm -hmm. i don't remember (laughs) he's a character actor he's a face that blends in someplace and then he was also in molly's game he played harlan eustace and again i don't i'd have to go back and watch if i watched all three of these that i'd be probably like oh yeah there he is there's bill there's bill there's bill okay see but 2017 was a very busy year for him. Woman Walks Ahead, Molly's Game, Hostiles, and The Only Living Boy in New York, a film that we have not talked about okay. on the next reel anywhere. And I don't think it was a trailer pick. I would have to go back and dig in to see if Pete or Andy picked The Only Living Boy in New York uh, directed by by Mark Webb. But that's, uh, you know, we usually we don't get a lot of you know these character actors that are going to show up uh multiple times multiple times and so he's just i guess he's attracted to projects that we think we're going to enjoy watching so makes sense we'll have to seek out that only living boy in new york trailer and then seed it into a sad mat <laughs> so that we can do his complete filmography there we go <laughs> all right so, so you said there was some some more camera work you wanted to talk about. Well, I just, I mean, the 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 cemetery is really the one that I, that I yeah. fix on. But I mean, there's so many you know scene setters in this that you know they really do a great job of showing the sky in places. Um, there, there, the train sequence when they when she's coming out, everything outside the window is perfect, and then yeah. everything yes. in the window is it, it, inside the room where the the uh, the cabin is pretty terrible. So the fact that they're intercut really bothers me uh but the, the the vision that the director of photography or or the director herself had you know in having her sort of a light to the window and uh opening the shade and then having it you know fill the cabin with color these are the kind of things there's a lot of really innovative things done here visually that i just wish there was so much more of and and they had great camera moves there was there were some camera moves that were uh confusing in other words i didn't understand the point of why they did it but i mean that's the kind of stuff that i just really feel rewarded when i see that in a film i just wanted more of it and i wish the editor would have let it let it run one of the things that I, I did notice about this, and it, and we do have that one very violent scene when Catherine is, is beat up in town, but throughout this journey, it's, I mean, it, we are continuously reminded of how brutal and violent it is out here, so I guess, in the uncivilized West mm-hmm. compared to the city that she comes from. Because even on the train, um, the man that comes in, I you know, to, you know, fresh linens all of that and she she notices oh you're native american and she says what tribe and he says presbyterian right and she starts asking him about the sioux and he's yeah. like look they they slaughtered my people yeah uh and, and then then we get um you know sitting bull when he shows his painting that he has done where he's got something for each year of his life and we see you know the first man he killed when he was 13 right. um it was the major aspect of his life yeah right and that's when he became sitting bull um he received that title became a man but it was because he killed that man because if he didn't that man was going to kill his 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 mother and his sister and then we've got yep. you know here here's where here's 
here's the death of my father and here's me killing the man that killed my father. And then there's, you know, little bighorn and just see people that just violence permeates every aspect of their life. And I, you know, part of it I think is to contrast, you know, Catherine coming out from civilized society. And we hear, you know, from Sam, Sam Rock on the train, look, you know, no, but women don't come out past Omaha, but we're continually told over and over again, what a violent place this is. And aside from the beating that she receives, and then we get the assassination of Sidney Bull, they're really, we don't have that, you know, right. violence. We're, it, I guess it's the, the West that was, and maybe that's to give us a little bit of the, the background, the backstory of, um, what it's like out there, why there is so much hostility towards her. You just have person. to mix it with hostiles. All the violence is in hostiles. <laughs> so you can but, take you know, that and put it here. Because <laughs> she's, you know, perceived as sympathetic. Well, right. They, well, heck, even when she gets off the train and Graves, you know, explains to a man standing there like, oh, yes, she's here. She's going to go paint City Bowl. And he spits on her. Right. Because he of assumptions, says, he assumes that she's, you know, a sympathizer, which is becomes a reality but yeah right but i mean then he says yeah i i hope you know they they you know rape you and cut the baby out like they did to these you know young girls right and you know graves tells his story about the you know the scalping and these you know that's great and then he saw two little blonde scalps in there you know it's everything in the past and perhaps that's to give us the to maybe create some tension or expected hostility when the general gets out there and what he's looking for is you know this is what this relationship has been like right between the Sioux and the other tribes and the U S military has just been, you know, violence upon violence upon violence. And which is why when she says, look, we can't fight back. This has to come to a vote. And that's how we're going to fight. This is should be, you know, see, you know, why would sitting bull accept this? Because that is not how he operates. Right. I mean, we see time after time for somewhat humorous effect of, you know, just the contrast between how she behaves and what expected roles of women are there, because there's the scene where he's going to explain everything and and she's telling him, well, maybe you should start with this and then talk about this. And he says, well, I can't be seen taking orders from you. So now we're going to have to wait a while. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Of just those, those disconnects. And so when it comes to the, we're going to fight this through a vote, I felt like that should have been, I don't know. It should have again. It just didn't have the emotional resonance of right. yes, the, you know, you're stepping outside of the violence. You're you're taking a different approach. This is why this should work because all of the fighting, all of the bloodshed, has not fixed this issue. And maybe this is going to to be that piece. But it just didn't. It limped along. Which one of our guys is it? Tommy or is it Pete? Hates when they say the name of the movie in the movie. Is that Pete? Or Tommy, I, it's one of the two of them. I can't remember, but it's it, 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 they really shouldn't see this movie, Pete. I think I think it's Pete. If, if you really yeah. should not see this movie because they say it, I think five times, and they say it in different <laughs> languages. Um, yes. So, uh, but that, that to the point. To your point, that's what you were, you were talking about, right? Like the woman walking ahead. Like you can't have the woman walking ahead. You have we can be equals. You can't be behind at different points. I mean, they make it a big point. So, um, if that bothers you, don't see this movie because they're gonna make they're gonna bring it up a couple of times. So here it comes. Woman walks ahead. So, 
If you if you're expecting a western, it's not a western. If right. you want, if you don't like movies where they mention the title of the movie in the actual dialogue, don't see this movie. Right. So, who is this film for? Aside from high school history, American history classes. Uh, goodness gracious! Uh, Would you recommend this to anybody? If there are people who are aficionados of the real history of the of the West, you know, and people okay. who are people who care about native american history i think i think it's important and i think uh i think you know learning about it but i i I will say i mean i was i was disappointed with the execution of the film um i i won't recommend it uh, other than to say it's helping me round out my complete filmography of jessica chastain so maybe that's who i'm gonna (laughs) recommend it to um have you seen every jessica chastain movie no well try woman walks ahead (laughs) So there we go. I, I had to work my way around okay. to it, but that's who I'm going to recommend it to. And not well, not Sam Rockwell fans, because it's just another Sam Rockwell. But just a, Jessica Chastain so. for sure. Well, yeah, and I guess that's the thing is, I I was disappointed by the movie, but I, you know, it wasn't one that made me angry or I feel was a nope. disaster. It, it had more potential, but it it just, yeah, it didn't rise above, you know, TV and realize full cinematic potential. So yeah, I, if you're, if you're a Jessica Chastain fan, even with the accent, you still think even with the accent that, well, I think it's, I mean, you need to see that your heroes are human too. So yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I I, I still like her. I just didn't like that darn accent. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens because coming (laughs) down the pike in pre-production, she is playing Tammy Wynette. Oh my goodness. So we'll, so we'll we'll see. Oh, and she's also playing Tammy Faye Baker, so she's got Holy two Tammies wow. coming down the road here. So Tammies a plenty. <laughs> so we'll see how the accents go. Sounds good. Given that we can't give it a glowing recommendation, where does that end up putting it in your flick? Charge? Well, I do want to compare it to Hostiles first of all, first and <laughs> foremost, because okay. Hostiles is really low on my flick chart. Hostiles, right. because it was just a really tough movie for me. Hostiles shows in at like two eleven out of a total of uh, 214 movies for me. So that's way at the bottom because I just wasn't able to get anything from it. Um, this movie comes in in a much more sort of uh, a relatively commonplace for trailer rewind movies, which is, and it's right beneath Leave No Trace, um, which is 152 out of that again, 214. And that's between Leave No Trace and above Don't Think Twice, which I think the sort of con- concept that you're seeing here in trailer rewind movies because those are both ones that we've done for this show, um, is when they're more about um, sort of the real life story and less about the the dramatic sort of Hollywooding of of what could be in the story. I need a little bit more push. And I loved, I, I think Leave No Trace is a great film, but it's not something that was powerful enough for me based on its structure. I know you feel differently about that, but Woman Walks Ahead is comparable for me because it has that same emotional, uh, for me, the same kind of emotional depth and the same kind of beautiful camera work. But uh, but it, it still puts in a pretty lower place in my flick chart because I'm not going to really want to see it again. I liked Hostiles a lot more yeah. than you did. And Leave uh, No yeah. Trace as well. So yeah. And Leave No Trace. So but this one did sort of fall into sort of a a zone of some other trailer rewind films. Not right adjacent, but sort of in the general area because it ended up at 361, which puts it like at the 21st percentile. So it's down in the bottom 20%, whereas Hostiles is like, I think, up in my top, you know, hundred. Oh wow. Somewhere. That's interesting. Um 
Pete's going to be angry. Uh, it's it's just below Cube. Yes, Pete, that's how low Cube is on my. I list love Cube. I, the, for it's your, a, for your it's entertaining, but it, oh, I I really enjoy it. But it's I I tend to look when it comes to things that's close. I'm like, which is more artfully done? Which has something to say? And Cube does has some things to say, but not quite as much as just being a fun little puzzle box of a, a movie. So it's yeah, right around there. But I think our nearest trailer rewind is uh, experimenter which sure. is you know about 10 places above uh that that makes sense. so yeah that yeah it's it's one that i'm still like disappointed i wanted this you know movie to be so enjoyable and so i'm putting it like at two stars on this because i i want to i want to i can't give it three i would almost want to give it two and a half but i i after talking about it more, it's just, yeah, this laying flat two-star movie for me. Mine's a two-star and a not-like, too. Okay. So that's the thing. Okay. Like, Leave No Trace, they're really close to each other. Yeah. Mine was probably very similar, but it was a like for Leave No Trace. For this movie, it's a two-star and a not-like. That's our discussion for Woman Who Walks Ahead. I don't <laughs> I don't know where we're going to go next month. We will see. Well, maybe we can get to the... <laughs> Only living boy in New York now. Well, I'm going to dig into the archives. I'll see what kind of fun stuff. Maybe since we're getting into the holiday season, we'll see what kind right. of holiday shenanigans we can find. Right. I wonder but, if the streaming services will start sort of timing their releases accordingly with the holidays, too. That could be really cool for us to do something like that as well. Yeah, we'll see what's out there. So, but for our listeners, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes. Give us a rating, review, subscribe, follow, all of those things that helps other film fans discover us online. Yes, iTunes is apparently the thing that controls podcasts for whatever <laughs> reason. Uh, and if you choose to support us on Patreon, you're joining a great community of film fans, some that are into film as art, some that just really enjoy entertaining movies and there's always great discussions about that there was heated discussion and debate about martin scorsese's statement that the marvel movies are not cinema which like interesting split some divides of how dare martin scorsese say that to other people saying yes i agree they're not cinema they're still movies and they're still entertaining but what he's expecting out of cinema which has something to do about the human condition and all of these things um so yeah great just conversations going on there's all kinds of stuff in there all the time the community's growing and flourishing great conversations people sharing links to short films and things on youtube and great conversations so we'd love to have you join in that community uh and special thanks to pete taking time out of his busy schedule to edit our episodes without him we wouldn't be able to bring you trailer rewind so thank you Pete Thanks, for Doc. taking this on as a project. Yes, thank you. JJ, it's always a pleasure. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. 
If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.